Welcome once again to My Big Break, the podcast series from Motorsport that looks at the big moments in the career of major figures in racing and how they could have led to a different path. I'm your host, Chris Medland, and this week I'm joined by Kamui Kobayashi to talk about the tough decisions choosing between Toyota and Honda as a young driver and the need to learn English to keep his career going. Kamui also talks about doing crazy stuff against Jensen Button in Brazil to try and prove himself worthy of a Formula One seat and the shock of when Toyota pulled out a few months later. Kamui, it's great to have you with us to talk about the major moments in your career and how it led you to this point today, uh, sitting here racing at Daytona right now as a sports car driver. But you had been successful in, in karts in Japan. That clearly got you... Uh, noticed quickly but as with many Japanese drivers it tends to be support from a major manufacturer that then lets you progress in racing how did you get noticed by Toyota what led to you being picked up by Toyota yep uh, so I think my career at the beginning is it didn't go hard when I was like nine years old and uh, only the initial part of my racing career with go-kart is had quite success and you know we have uh, Yamaha supporting go-kart and I was kind of uh, you know the driver of semi-driver workers for the Yamaha when I was like 11 years old already mm -hmm. so just uh, after two years and then to be honest there's a connection between Yamaha with Toyota was quite close that's why when I was 14 years old when I just carries you know uh in go-kart when I was young. So every year I, I was competing in the championship in Japan and of course having the good result there. And there was a, you know, naturally coming uh, from Yamaha between the uh, Toyota Dell, uh, we go to the, the driver, young driver selection because that time the Toyota just begin to join the Formula One. Mm. They one one developed the Japanese driver in the Formula One. And that's why I was one of the drivers of that. And at the same time, uh, in Japan, it's not allowed to racing uh, under the 18. So it wasn't 16. So uh, I think at that time, I think our age, I think level of the go-kart was quite high. So Japanese Federation uh, made a special deal with the government. So we were allowed to race uh, 16 from uh, the my time. Mm -hmm. I was a second guy who got uh, this uh, special permission of the license in Japan. And then at that time, okay, I went to the Toyota selection and I, I got uh, the offer. I had a contract for 10 years when I was 14 years old with Toyota. 10 years? Yes. And then same time Honda was interested in me and they offered me to go into the the Toyota, uh, the Honda, SRSF call. It's a Honda scholarship, uh, the school for free for both together in the same time. And I say, well, I'm happy to drive in both, you know, the school, to be honest. And uh, it just Honda was pretty happy to go both, but the Toyota is not allowed. So at the end of the day, I just decide to stay Toyota because it looks Toyota is uh, bigger in the Formula One. And that's why I decided uh, at that time like this. Because at, at that stage, yeah, Honda were BAR, I guess. They were like a supplier, yep. but yes. they weren't a team. Exactly. But Toyota were a full constructor. Yes. So it looked like to you that was the, the more likely path to Formula One, I guess. 
Is that what you were thinking already at that age? You're thinking, what's my route to Formula One? No, I think that's time too far away to Formula One. So uh, I was not even considering to be in the Formula One. Just I was dreaming the Formula One. But you know, to be honest, it's when you just finish the go kart, you begin to the you know the Open Wheel Championship Junior Formula. It, it's it's quite far away to the Formula One. So to be honest, I wasn't thought about that. But uh, probably Toyota had more opportunity. And that's why, uh, yeah, I just went there. And at which stage did it, because you said a 10-year contract, like what do they tell you at, at the age of 14? What do you have to do over those 10 years? Or do they only give you sort of, well, next year you do this, next year you do that? Do yeah. they map it out for you? It's kind of like I have a 10-year contract, but there's a, quite a lot of detail. I, I don't even look the contract because I was too young age. <laughs> but something like, uh, I think... They can decide if determine the contracts or not depend on the result, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's quite normal to be honest. So, yeah, uh, I, I cannot decide myself to going out at that manufacturer, but they can decide if I continue or determine the contract. So, I think con contract itself it's it's quite natural because when you took the young driver, you invest young drivers, you prefer to have a secure the long contract. So at the end of the day, I think uh, I don't really mind to obtain it because I, I need anyway success in the motorsports and uh, I was not really, uh, you know, still dreaming situation. It's not realistic at that time. Mm. But did you feel like you were, I guess, destined for a career in motorsport if you had been in so much demand that Honda said that they would like to sign you as well and you could be part of both Honda and Toyota at one stage. You must you must have felt like you must be pretty good if, if both want you. Um, yeah, I think when I was Gova, I was pretty good. I mean, I won all the championship. Uh, for sure, I think I uh, was nearly dominating uh, all the championship. And uh, even when I came to European Go-Kart Championship, I did only three races, but... Uh, I had a pole position with a uh, you know the new go kart brand, so I think guy was quite surprised. So I think I think uh, I knew what I can do at that time, but when I jump into the the open wheel car, it, the story is a bit changed. Uh, I can drive drive like go kart, and I can show the performance as go kart. And then I think that uh, where I think my career has been changed a little bit to start thinking how I drive fast racing car. To be honest, when I had to go car, I even didn't think anything and just you jump in the car and you are quick. Mm. But once you driven the open wheel car, it's it's different because the car weight is such different to compare to go car. So you cannot, you know, drive car as much as you have you feel uh, what you want because you have to be more realistic what you have in the weight of the car. Mm. And uh, at that time, I think the, the way uh, how I drive in the car is completely changed. I started thinking to be fast instead of you just jumping in the car and you drive. Did that happen early then for you? Because I was going to yeah, say- Yeah, already 16. <laughs> by then you had that kind of feeling yeah, yeah, for yeah. it. My first race, okay, this is a different story because I wasn't really quick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You had to learn quickly, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But then, did that? Do you feel that put you at an advantage compared to other Japanese drivers having that special dispensation? No, I think my advantage was uh, in the first my year. It was uh, sixteen years old, 
racing in Japan. And then 17 years old, straight away after the, I finished championship second against uh, Kazuki. Mm-hmm. He was winning the championship. And obviously, I was leading championship until the last races, but last race I brought up the engine. And uh, yeah, I lost the championship. But anyway, uh, you nearly won the championship, but I, I can drive uh, the Formula 3 because the engine size was restriction by the, the ages. Mm-hmm. So, to below like two liter engine, I'm allowed to race, but over two liter, I'm not allowed when I was 17. So I had to decide something different and to, to just, you know, send me the, the European Toyota Young Driver School mm-hmm. and the, the selection there. And I did the best time there and they took me, but at that stage, I don't speak any English at all. So they were, you know, really keen to, to learn English. So I think after this selection, uh, they offered me to do race in the Formula Uno after. But I need to learn the English as much as earlier. <laughs> and that was my challenging part. And uh, anyway, I think, yeah, after I went, moved to Italy. And uh, yeah, I just stayed there for, you know, once you've been there, you never come back. I want to ask actually how strange that is to you when, because as an English speaker and most people listening to this podcast um, will be English speakers as well. um, You don't think about it. You think if you're going racing, what you need to be good at is driving a racing car quickly. And that's what you were proving you could do. But then the next big challenge was you needed to be able to speak another language. That ha- yeah. Was it frustrating to be like, the only way I'm going to progress yeah. or the best chance of progressing is if I learn a new language? Yeah, I mean, you know, we are island country. So we don't have any other country around us. So I think in the life, if you speak Japanese, that's only the way good if you speak proper Japanese. I think that's the how you get business properly. Mm. And at that time with Japanese people, it's very hard to learn English because I think the people are not common who speak English around there. I think this time after that 20 years, for example, now, it's people are understanding that English is going to be important because it's more easy to access any other country. It's, it's business become more the global. Mm. So I think time being changed, but 20 years ago is it's a bit far away from that so we have no knowledge about that uh, we speak English because at that time I think there's a couple of Formula 1 driver but everyone I think uh, doesn't speak English a- everyone had a translator the mm. personal translator to come in Formula 1 so I think uh, history in Japan for the motorsport and going to the global race is a bit different mm. and that's why I think uh, I was a little bit shocked uh, Instead of you driving, you have to run English. This is uh, the priority thing. So just, you know, I think uh, where I gr- grew up myself, it's, it's quite far away from the other language. So that's why it was a pretty hard time. But at the end of the day, I think uh, when I did race in the Formula 1 in the second year, I won the, the Italian championship and the European championship. And then I moved to the, the Formula 3. It, that was 2005, wasn't it? You won those two championships. And yeah, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, well, that's what I've got written down, so I'm hoping yeah, it's right. Yeah. But how influential was that season, do you think, in that you came to Europe and showed everyone how quick you were? Well, I think uh, was very. I think that was my highlight of the, the you know my career because at the end of the day, you're coming from middle of Norway, uh, you won the 
European Championship, Italian Championship in this category, because this category was quite high level at that time, because, for example, Kimi was directly went to Formula One from this category. So he won the championship and he, next year he signed with Zabu. Mm. And I think even Filippo did a winning championship, in this championship. He did, I think, Formula 3000 a little bit and he directly moved to the, to the, uh, yeah, I think he was Zabu as well, right? Yeah, he was a Ferrari young driver. Yeah, but he exactly, raced for Zabu, exactly. yeah. And also, I think that time Scott Speed was there. Uh, I think he won the European Championship. I think a year after or two years later, I won this championship. So, you know, I think uh, in terms of uh, junior formula, I think people are quite attention this category. Mm. And uh, which I won the championship with this one was, uh, the, I think it's very important for my career to 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 have in life in the, the motorsports in Europe. Mm. But but then after that, mm-hmm. you had a bit of a tough spell because you were, uh, yeah, you, you went through to GP2 Asia in 2008, 2009. No, 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 no. I went to Formula 3. Yeah, but you, sorry, you won GP2 Asia in 2008, 2009. Yes, yes. But apart from that, you hadn't had a top three championship finish. Yeah. So like that spell, was it a learning curve? Was it, well, know, how, said, how hard was it for you? Basically? It's, I think I would say it's become more political racing after that. Uh, okay, yeah. And from S3 and GP2, you know, because uh, I had teammates. My first year's teammate was the Bettel, the Guido here, the Leicester, you know, my teammate. And our second year was Grajan, Hülkenberg, uh, Tom, I think Dilma, was in my teammate, mm. the, the French team. And obviously I'm like Toyota junior driver, but there's always Mercedes junior driver. And we were using the Mercedes engine. Mm. At the end of the day, I think uh, you are nearly there, but always missing a couple of stands. And, uh, you know, if you miss a couple of stands, it's, it's a bit tough moment, which is, you know, if you're getting pole position, it's quite easy to win, but if not, it's, it's tough. Mm. And uh, I think it doesn't matter. I think at the end of the day, I have uh, tried my best. And then, you know, like uh, when I went to the Macau, I think I had my first year already got pole position win the first race. It's the second race, just so we fucked up, but uh, I think it was short the performance. So I wasn't really scared about that. And when we went to the GP2, at that time, I think uh, GP2 Asia was the old chassis, mm-hmm. which is a different model car. It's same category, but different. And when we went to European, so I went the Asian Championship, I won directly there. And uh, I thought it should be fine because I did most of the tests. It was the best lap time and everything. So far, confident. And uh, first race was GP2. You just start the engine in Barcelona. You just went out. Engine was brought up in outlap. And uh, I had no practice session because that time, I think, half an hour, one hour practice, and you directly going to qualify. Mm. And we changed the engine. And still, you know, we knew the Barcelona track how it is, so I was pretty confident. But when you feel, when you finish qualify, you are nearly twenty. We don't know what happened really, and uh, yeah, I think championship went through for all the season like that. And I had a huge win there, but obviously the performance was not as I expected. Mm. But it's very strange because it's from GP Asia and European Championship, I think in terms of the driver, it's same just different chassis and it makes complete different result. Mm. And then, uh, well, I think people knew that uh, little political around there. 
And, you know, I think that's why I think I was a little bit more struggling to have a, a good result there. But, but were Toyota understanding of that, do you think? They, they were uh, the ones that... Not really. No? No, not really. I think people around me knew that, the Toyota people, but it's, it's very hard to, to mention to the top, uh, you know, the top management guys in the Formula One. Mm. So that's why I, I couldn't get the seat directly there. Because you were third driver already, weren't you, before yeah. you won yeah. GP2 Asia? Yes. So I guess at that point they must have been excited. And uh, then... And then, the but not really, because always people say that if we don't win the championship, you will never have an opportunity in the Formula One mm. in Toyota. So I did my best, and it was uh, yeah, it's a bit hard time anyway. But then it all turned around, I guess, in Formula One terms. You'd had yep. the tough GP two year, two thousand nine, but Timo Glock has his yep. big crash at Suzuka, yep. and you'd run on Friday, I think, in practice on um, Suzuka. Yeah, yeah, but they said that you weren't allowed to race because you yep. didn't qualify or didn't yep. drive on Saturday. Yep. Like, what do you remember of that event? Were you thinking suddenly, I know, you know, sad circumstances that Timo had got injured, but were you suddenly thinking, I'm going to get to drive in Formula One at my home race? Well, I think I was, uh, I remember this was uh, quite exciting myself, but it uh, didn't happening. And uh, the people were saying, I think Timo is going to be fine for Brazil. Mm. So, I say, well, I think it's going to be some, it's my dream because uh, Toyota was not uh, keen to do the start in the GP2. Mm. That's why maybe I, I will go back to Japan for some racing there, uh, which was, I was like, well, I think this is life. Uh, it was not enough. So yeah, uh, end of the day, I got an opportunity in the, the Brazil and I did some good races there. And we have another offer in Abu Dhabi, and I think I finished six. Mm -hmm. I think at one point I was uh, fighting for podium directing in the second races myself. So I was quite, you know, happy about the uh, you know, situation where we got the problem in the last two years because GP2 was struggling a lot, especially European Championship. I knew that in my heart is, uh, there was some politics around, but uh, anyway, I think we need to fight with this. Uh, you need to show something what you can do. At the end of the day, it wasn't work well. And when I jump into Formula One, something I show that uh, I can do a bit better than what I expected. So I think that was, uh, yeah, I think uh, important time is my career maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say with like this podcast is looking for your like big break. And mm -hmm. I guess Timo's crash would be it, mm -hmm. but when then it came to Brazil, because yeah, his, his injury hadn't healed enough for him to race in Brazil. When were you told you're going to be in the car, you're going to be making your F1 debut? Well, I think it was uh, on Tuesday I was in Japan. Oh, wow. That late. And when I hear that, I, I just packed the back and I had to fly there. So it was like, uh, I don't know Brazil, i never been there. i never raced there. Like No simulator then nothing, to practice? You know, it's just... Uh, to be honest, it's uh, it's huge different than what I expected mm. because I haven't driven the Formula One for nearly seven months or something like that. And the first of all, what happened is just you jump in the car, you went, you know, some power track, you know. After three up, it's just your neck is gone. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That quickly? Yeah. I said, okay, it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how did you get through the race then with it? Did, did it go actually quite late in the race? Because I remember you fighting Jensen earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I finished nine. 
Yeah. And was was that because your neck started to go? No, no, no. It was okay. I managed it. I was I was still young, you know. I can handle if you feel <laughs> your your neck is gone, but it was a tough time to be honest. Yeah. I mean, so I remember of that race, there was a radio message from Jensen that yeah. was, I mean, he won the title, so I think it was kind of said positively afterwards, but he called you crazy. Yeah, I know. And do you actually think in a weird way that was a good thing for you that in, in the race that the world champ, he became world champion, he was talking about you mm-hmm. and how hard you were to beat, basically, to get ahead of. Do you think that was a, a good thing that you got to race him directly and, and put on a bit of a show? Uh, you know, I can tell. Uh, that's my only first race is uh, I have no sign for a year so I don't need to be nice to even whatever the world champion or you know who reading championship mm. because I have my life and I'm doing the, my job as much as I can I know he will be fast but you know uh, for sure that he's pissed off because you know I'm doing big crazy stuff I knew this crazy stuff but anyway this is racing uh, we try to not crush each other. And I have a bigger advantage because, you know, I have nothing to lose, but mm. he have a lot of things to lose. So that's why I use this, uh, you know, the mentality or the philosophy in the background that uh, I just go aggressive. But at the end of the day, I think uh, I was smiling because I enjoy, you know, he, he's a professional driver. He's not taking risk. He, he tried to manage. He tried to be fair. I was maybe not fair, but I think this is uh, how it is in the race, especially like the my situation, because you 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 don't know if we have next race or not. Mm. And then I think this is a uh, you know when you're considering, I think you know I think myself. Well, I think this is what I have to do is best, and uh, for sure that he is shouting in the radio, but I was definitely smiling in, in the in the helmet because he definitely went crazy. <laughs> This is I knew when I was driving, you know. Did you hear us as well? I don't know. I, I don't hear anything, but you know, you just, can tell. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, like the body language of the car or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know. But you know, I think this is racist, and uh, we work in a professional way, so you know, we have no no really to contact, and we managed to race, and he won the championship. So at the end of the day, I think this was a good show. It was. I mean, it, I always remember it, mm-hmm. and it really put your name, I think, on the F1 map. Mm-hmm. Because, like you say, because of the way GP2 are gone, people are like, how, how good really is he? And then, then they see you do that, and they're like, wow, this guy's exciting. We want him in F1. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you had the great result in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone assumed that's it. He's Toyota's future driver. He's going to be racing for Toyota next year. Yeah, yeah. And then Toyota pulled out. Yeah. When did you find Just out? Just after that, uh, the Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Yeah, so they called me, and I had to go to Germany. At a meeting, and I saw I can have opportunity for the you know offer for the season, mm. and I was like going smile, you know, happy boy, you know, young kids <laughs> get dreams, work in the company, and the guy was just quite serious face somehow, and I I didn't realize you know, and I just guy tell me okay we will pull out Formula One, and I said what willing, I thought that I have a uh, one more year yeah because it was sudden you know. And mm. uh, just that was the last race. Wow. So which means I lost a job. Yeah, you lost a job. And well, I was like, well, I saw s- I got some dreams, but uh, dreams was uh, only maybe two or three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. At a happy time, you know. And I uh, came back to because that time I was living in Paris. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I drive back to the Paris from Germany. And just went there, relax. I start uh, packing my bag, you know, because no point to stay in Europe then. Mm-hmm. And and I think after weeks or something like that, I think Peter Zabo was uh, trying to contact me and I got this news and uh, we immediately went to Zabo. And when I went to Zabo, at that day I thought it was an interview. <laughs> but we signed directly there. Oh, wow. He was ready to sign you straight away. <laughs> and you'd not been told beforehand that this interest existed? No, it just he wanted me to drive to there. And he backed the, mo- the Formula One because he was uh, a little bit out and BM- because BMW was taking over. Mm. And then they left at the end of 2009 yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why uh, he would try to find young drivers, whatever. And I say, well, I'm very happy to drive. And we signed that actually for nearly, I think, two years plus option for Saturday. Mm. So it was, uh, for me, I was quite impressed about uh, how life is going to change, to be honest. So for that, was there help from Toyota? Did they try and, because were you there, still technically? There, no, yeah, I have a contract, but uh, Toyota is not helping at all. So that was just all off your own back sort of thing. Did you have a manager that helped or? No. So just, it was, so Peter Sao was genuinely trying to contact you directly. Yeah, I had a uh, friend, you know, the, the Mario, it's uh, Italian Japanese guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, helped me because he was a kind of manager of the Alesi. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alice was used to drive in Zabo, so he had a contact, and just we went there together, and we signed. Wow! So uh, actually, Toyota was not doing anything. So uh, when you left Sauber that that day, mm-hmm. having signed the contract to be racing in F one again, mm-hmm. and you said you'd had the, the dreams you'd had going to Toyota the first time, and then no, yeah. we're leaving, yeah. and then probably the opposite, I guess, going to Sauber and then leaving, and you were an F one driver again. Just how? How much of a second chance did it feel? How special did it feel to suddenly be like, wow, it's it's changed instantly? Uh, it wasn't really like, you know, really something felt going to change my life. Mm-hmm. I still make surviving Europe. This is what I had the impression because in Toyota has more opportunity because you know, you can have, you can consider in the long future. Mm. But with Zauber, if you don't really success, just you will kick out quickly. So I had more pressure when I signed it. Mm. It's gonna be more challenging time because nobody can help. And uh, just, you have to believe yourself and you have to do your best. And that's what, what I saw that time. So I think, uh, you know, I, I had, Opportunity, but it's not like kind of dream come true really at that time because you know when you are in Toyota you had more support in the background, you know. But in Zalbo, it's a small company there, and I knew that it's going to be the hard time in terms of the budget and everything. Mm. So for sure, it was no easy decision for me. But just uh, this was uh, the opportunity for myself. Did, did they ask you to bring budget? Did you have to work? No. So they were just like, we want you, yep. you're, that, yep. you're that good. Because yep. you stayed for all three years, didn't you, as well? You yep. did two plus yep. one. Yep. And there were some good highlights, but one, again, that sort of jumped out was back at Suzuka yep. and that first podium. Mm-hmm. At, at the time, there was speculation about your future. Did you know at that stage? Yep. You already knew that you were yes. going to be leaving. Yep. So, so what did it feel like to 
finally get that because that was your first podium. Yeah, exactly. Like, how, how special did that feel? Home race, first podium, knowing that it was probably your, yeah, your last chance as well. You know, I think uh, I had a quite good chance in that year. You know, I started uh, spa in the second row. I had other races. I was uh, fighting for podium many times. But it's always uh, something bad, but like missing luck. It's not performance. Well, yeah, spa, I mean, was nothing to do with you at yeah, all and, I mean, and a car comes flying exactly, over your rear wing. Exactly. Many times when you are, you know, had a big opportunity, you, you, you had something wrong. And that's what's life. And I thought, uh, I think that time the car, I think always could be in like Suzuka or Spa, in a way you have a high speed truck. And I thought maybe Suzuka was the one of the last opportunity to have the, to bring the performance there. And uh, I think suddenly we went pretty well. And that's why I got podium. So in the end of the day, I felt like, well, I was not completely uh, missing luck. I had some luck in the end of the day mm. because I think Checo got uh, maybe two or three podium last year but when you're considering you know like in terms of performance was not far mm. it's not something I'm like clearly I was losing it's just you know very we are close but somehow I was missing the luck at the end of the day so at the end of the day when you want to have a you know success in the program you need the luck as well and uh, I think that in my career what uh, lacking on the part it's, it's it's luck. It's not something you're doing long. Mm. But when you're missing the luck, it's having quite such different result in the end of the, your career. Mm. That's why I said, well, finally I got it and I had luck. I felt like my shoulder became a little bit lighter. Mm. I think that's what, what I feel. You then had to do a year out though, didn't you? 2013 from Formula One. No. Uh, I went to the Ferrari, the GT. Yeah, sorry. Work. Yeah, so you didn't race in F1 in yeah. 2013. Yeah, um, but you were looking for F1 opportunities and, and yeah, then came yeah, back to Caterham. Yes. Was that a tough decision to make? Because yeah, Ferrari's yeah. a big, big program to be yeah, part no, of. Big program, but uh, you know, they are not sure if they gave me opportunity because they had, I think, a little long contract with a current driver. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when you're out of Formula One for two years, and if you get opportunity in third year. Probably maybe it's the best option, but you don't know. Uh, other than hand, you have uh, the I got offer from the Caterham anyway, and uh, if you get offer on the Caterham and if you make a little bit good result there, probably you have a different option for the you know going to other manufacturer, whatever you know, other teams. Mm. And that's why I just I had to decide. Either you get uh, no chance in the Formula One or you get a uh, brilliant future in Ferrari mm. or you try to go uh, get home yourself, you try to open the door to see. I say, well, I, I prefer to jump in the kind of Formula One to see if I can be able to do. Because in the way you are in Ferrari, you just you have to wait. Mm. You, you can't do anything, right? So that's why I say I prefer to try to open my doors myself. And that was the decision by myself in the going to the Ketam end. Uh, I mean, you put in some really good performances in that car, but it didn't, no. in the end, open those doors. So exactly. when you look back on it now, does it, does it look like a good or a bad move? Uh, the end of the day, uh, wasn't a bad move anyway, because I think if I stay in Ferrari, still I didn't get an opportunity, I think, because that time, uh, I think Tom Curry and... Uh, 
Montemozero was there, and they had to move as well after a few years. Mm. So even the Ferrari was that's quite big move around. Oh yeah, Fernando left at the end of fourteen, and Sebastian exactly. came in, and exactly. yeah, it was a big overhaul. Exactly. So if I stay there, I'm pretty sure I, I didn't get anything. Mm. So I think this team was right. And then it eventually, off the back of that, though, you ended up returning to Toyota with Weck. Yep. In sixteen. Yep. When that call came, like how close had the links been? If while well, you'd been chasing that F one dream and you know going to Ferrari, going to other big manufacturers, was there no contact with Toyota at all, or were they still kind of part of your career? Toyota, you mean? Yeah. Uh, we have no contract. To be honest, we have no contract. Nothing really. But we know the people, mm-hmm. and I did a. The work championship in 2013 was Ferrari, so we know the guys, and just still they didn't give me the, the seat directly. So we had to go to you know the driver shootout, and I drove there. And they love a driver shootout, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have it. They do it. For, do they do it for basically every category they have? Yes. Wow. We have Janik uh, Bell. There's everyone there, to be honest. Mm. And I did my best time there. And they say, well, I think uh, you you get to see it probably. And uh, still, I didn't get it uh, directly, so I had to wait 2015. Mm. Because I did a Formula 1 and with Ketan was like 2014. And I joined the, the work championship in 2016. Mm. So I have a one-year break uh, as, as a reserve driver in the work. So, and then the 2016 back to the work. And this is where I started the endurance uh, championship properly in my career. But was it special to be back with Toyota? Or was it a little bit like you were walking no, away from no, your F1 not really. dream? Not really. Because, you know, we we had a long contract when I was young, but, you know, we finished the walk. And, uh, you know, when I come back to Toyota, you know, with the endurance championship, obviously, uh, it's kind of not any more young drivers. Mm. You had the experience and you had to show the result. So at the end of the day, it just is a manufacturer I'm walking. Mm. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think I felt it's a bit different. But you've definitely given them the results. I mean, you've finally uh, became a Le Mans winner last year. Yeah. You back to back WEC championships as well. Like yep. you're, you're a world champion. Like how. Uh, how good a move was it for your career to to move into the top level of endurance racing? Because for some drivers, it is tough to really think of life after Formula One. Yeah, you know, I think uh, when you're considering my driving style, probably people say my driving style is not for endurance. Mm. Many people say, and I was thinking the same as well. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? You, you yeah. admitted that. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> Too aggressive. But, yeah, I saw that. And anyway, I need to adjust because this is part of the job. And, uh, you know, I think I had a couple of mistakes in the beginning, but I think quickly I recovered myself what I had to do in the insurance races. And in the end, I started to show the speed, the consistency. And, uh, yeah, we have a little bad luck in Le Mans. But anyway, I think uh, we don't give up. And uh, finally, we made it last year. But most of the, the race in Le Mans, we were reading how to race at least up until something happening. So clearly I think uh, I adjust pretty well in the endurance races. And then, you know, now I'm like 35 years old. Still, I felt like 
well, I think I, I didn't lose performance. I just you know, keep, keep in performance and then more get consistency. I, I was going to mention your age, actually, because it's it's quite easy to remember drivers that raced in Formula One mm-hmm. a little while ago and think, well, they're a lot older now. But like you say, you're only 35 mm-hmm. and you've achieved so much in your career so far already. What's next for you? What you know, we're, we're normally looking for the big break in terms of what led you here, but yeah. I still feel like you have so much ahead that... There must be more more on your plate. Well, I think I have many things I want to do, to be honest. But now I have, uh, I have uh, still driving, but I have a new role that uh, I will be the team principal. I, I am team principal of the week. So I have more jobs in Toyota now. Um, however, I think uh, still, you know, as a driver, I prefer to be It's more... You know, it's not only the endurance. I want to try like a little bit more the NASCAR stuff because nobody been, you know, driving so many categories. Because I think most of the category I've done, I did GT3 championship, GT3 races, I did GT work, I did the endurance with the LMP1, the Hypercar. I'm doing the racing the Super Formula, uh, of course Formula One, all the category in Europe. I drove a DTM car as well in Japan, you know, we did uh, the races. So I think I, I'm driving really a lot of car. <laughs> yeah, a lot of experience in that yeah, Exactly. Time. So what are you missing? It's, uh, it's I think, more the United States race, to be honest. So like IndyCar as well, or would you prefer NASCAR, do you think? Yeah, I think IndyCar is pretty good, but uh, if someone say, last choice, what we want to do, it's, it's more than NASCAR, because... Indica is somehow is more similar to, you know, the Super Formula because chassis made by Dallara. Mm. Uh, I think uh, the way drive is is not huge different, I guess. And when I'm considering like Paro, he was Super Formula, and even the old as well, he was in the Super Formula. So I think if I go there, I know what I can do. Mm. So which is not really super challenging myself, but. If you go NASCAR, it's going to be a big challenge there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And is that, well, I mean, we're sat here now recording this in Daytona at the Rolex 24. Is yeah. that one of the reasons you keep coming back here? Are you trying to talk to NASCAR teams? Uh, no, really. I just, I enjoy here, uh, especially this uh, DPI category. It's going to be, this is the last race of DPI. Uh, I love racing here. And I enjoy all the time here. Uh, you know, to keep, you know, passion in the motorsports. I think Daytona is one to really change, give me my times and uh, the feeling of the motorsports. Because <clears throat> when you're racing in Europe, there's a lot of pressure around, a lot of stress around, mm. because you had, it's everything is by the result. But here, it's you're fighting in the, the family team. You know, you have a smile, you joke around, uh, you, when you have to job, you have to job. Um, it's kind of like, I, I live here, mm. to be honest. Uh, I mean, this kind of this atmosphere, momentum, you know, the people, how they focus on the racing, how off. It's shock when you finish the uh, practice and how quickly the mechanics live in the, the truck. It's impressive. You, you can see it in Europe. No, everyone's there for hours. Yes. Yeah. I went to an IndyCar test at Barber with Nico Hulkenberg yeah. and I, I was still working and the trucks drove past me and left. I was like, I've only yeah. been here 45 minutes. Exactly. It was amazing. You can breathe. 
Yeah. But for you to be here then now at this stage of your career, if you think back to when you signed that 10-year Toyota deal mm -hmm. and you're, you're looking at, I guess, becoming a professional racing driver, could you imagine you'd have done everything you've done and that you'd be here at this stage? No. Honestly, no. But, you know, now I'm very, you know, too close to the Mr. Toyota Q, which is uh, the, the boss of the Toyota company. And... Uh, <coughs> We have uh, the big conversation between me and him, you know, like when he pulled out Formula One, for example, it's Toyota, it was his decision. It's, uh, you know, uh, what was named that Invest Company? It was back in the, the Formula One time, it was 2009. There's something happening, you know, the... Oh, well, the, the, um, well, the financial crisis. Financial yeah. crisis, yes. Yeah. So when that happening, it's a lot of pressure around in the company, and that's why he had to pull out. Mm. And let's put me the one of the, you know, it's expensive, uh, the budget mm. at that time. So that's why he said, and after when, you know, come back to Toyota, and when we came back, um, we had some appearance in Japan. And he just passed me, he arrived in Tokyo airport, and we did uh, the appearance in Tokyo center. And he, it was close to his house. So he just passed me and uh, he wanted to just say hello, you know, mm. to me after, you know, seven years or something like that. And the first thing what he said was uh, he apologized for that, you know, when he pulled out Formula One. He couldn't say anything at that time, but, you know, after seven years, he felt sorry mm. to, to not team the company, but to the driver. So I felt like, well, he had a respect to the driver at least. Mm. And then we start to keep in touch and at the end of the day, I think, you know, I'm officially Toyota driver, but I'm driving many other com company, mm. you know, as a category car, even, you know, you know when I did a DTM races with Super GT, I'm Toyota driver, but mm. I drove BMW car. Yeah. Not Toyota car. <laughs> and it's all allowed by him, you know. He said, yeah, it's fine. And even coming here at Cadillac, mm. I, he, he's very supportive what I'm doing because at the end of the day, I think when Japanese people success in the, the global races, this is good news for Japan. Mm. Uh, it's choose. And that's why I want to come back. I want to race in the different country races. So I have a lot of respect to him and we had a lot of conversation. At the end of the day, I think uh, I'm like doing the young driver development, the many project running in the future project. You know, we, 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 bring the, the hydrogen car in Japan for the motorsports. And uh, I think that was a uh, starting between myself and the boss conversation. I want to race with this car. And after half year, he made it. And this is where we begin the hydrogen races there. So at the end of the day, I think uh, we, we want to have more the future. We are thinking the future, what can be in not only motorsports, what can be you know, the, the normal road car even, what well, we have to be, at the end of the day, you know, we were talking, we want to have motorsports be consistent and sustainable. And we are talking about how. And at the end of the day, I think if motorsports, okay, if all road car goes to the electric, for example, what can be in the motorsports? It's going to be very tough. Mm because we can use fuel. 
So if you go into the electric car, yes, I think as a race is fine, but we we can't get、uh, any you know emotional races because the sound is one of the important part for the motorsport. Without sound, I think it's a bit sad.、Mm-hmm. And probably、uh, in the beginning of few years it should be fine, but when you considering ten or twenty years, we will lose clearly fans. And、uh, I, I don't want to be like this race. That's、mm-hmm. why we. We start to, you know, talk about、uh, something different, and、uh, hydrogen was one of the the key.、Um, this is where we begin to, to, you know, involve more project in starting Toyota. So, so your role's becoming bigger and bigger within the company. Yeah, it's it, clear. Is is that? Do you see that as your future? Is that almost like in management within Toyota? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like, you know, say it's a role is bigger,、mm. but to be honest, I'm not. Clear, see, clear, clearly, I can see the the view of the the future because there's so many things going on、mm. in the motorsport. But at least I want to be more, you know, dream sports. As motorsports, it has to be dream,、mm. and、uh, we have to we have to sh- motorsports bring as entertaining, and、uh, people have to get. Really excitement when arriving the truck, watching the car, racing car, and have to feel unusual life. That's why people want to pay to watch.、Mm. Uh, I think to do that, I think this makes more sustainable in the motorsports in the end, and also I think the, we can bring more the 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 car fun. You know, I think the car need to be fun because when you You know, success is job. What do you buy? Watch the car,、mm. right?、Uh, when you are poor, still, if you live in United States, you need a car for work.、Yeah. But once you bought car, probably it's the issue to your budget. So you clean the car. You try to keep car as much as you know, like brand new.、Mm. It's like it's like dog. Is family the part of family? Yeah, yeah.、Uh, I think this is very important for me to consider. That's why I think we we want to keep to be the car. It's for fun. It's something to to keep it exciting, and it's same in motorsports. So try to give more the connection, the local and the motorsports end, because we need this、uh, these things to us survive. You know, in this life.、Mm. And、dare I say it? Then I mean, we we were looking for like a big break in your career and found a few from your racing career, but actually rejoining Toyota、mm-hmm. to be part of that company again、mm-hmm. could prove to be one of the biggest breaks because of what it might lead you to do in the future. Yeah, I think so. I mean, still, I don't know what is going to be in the future, but you know, try to try to help the company as motorsports as well. What I think, and now I, I have more the. Power to something change because now I start working the into the company. It's not the contract. It's I'm working the Toyota now, so I'm working the management side, and I can handle things. And、uh, yeah, I think、uh, something that I would say the Toyota is one of the family company.、Mm. It's not like there's investor or whatever. There's nothing. So the family company. So if family give direction. We can change direction.、Mm. I think this is the biggest thing. Things 
computer to manufacture. Wow, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really exciting to watch yeah. you yeah. take that on on top of on top of the racing stuff. Yeah. But I get the feeling you won't stop racing anytime soon. No, I think you know I feel I enjoy the race. Still, I want to continue the race because I, I don't think I lose the performance. I still, you know, to keep performance, keep consistency. <laughs> no reason to stop, to be honest. And uh, up until I develop like good young Japanese driver, uh, uh, to be honest, I don't want to stop because I want to give, I want to share the, my experience to young drivers properly, and I want to waiting for next generation to success in like this championship, for example, the new Japanese coming here to success. I think this would be great. So uh, I try my best. Uh, I'm in mean, part of the development things. So we we'll see how it goes in the future. Well, we look forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much you. for your time. Thank you.